Good morning, everyone. How are you today? Good. Are you awake? First surface was sleepy. So I know it's kind of like back to life. School started up again. Everybody kind of, there's a little bit of adrenaline when you get started. And then by today, it's like, when is my nap happening, right? So stay with me today. We're going to get out of here in time for you to get home and have a nice long Sunday afternoon nap. But we're so happy you're here at Homestead. We started last week a new series called Mature. And it's something that Jeff and I had been thinking about for a while, something that has really been on our hearts about talking about spiritual maturity, what it means to be a follower of Christ who is growing in their faith. Um, It's one of our foundational things that we believe in here at Homestead, that we are a community of believers who grow who aren't just staying stagnant in our faith, but we're growing. Um, I remember when, you know, I love seeing the little babies around here. I remember when my babies were little and you'd take them to the doctor and they would give you the little chart and you would have to fill out all the things that they were doing. And it would say, when you can't check three boxes, you're done. And so there's always this pressure to succeed, right? Like, like, okay, Dottie, can you jump over this? Try it again, try it again, right? Because this is how they are measuring if your child is growing, if there's kind of staying in line with the expected, you know, growth track, their weight, their cognitive things. So we measure growth as humans in our body, in our emotions, and in then intellect, But sometimes we don't think about, am I growing spiritually? Have I I grown and progressed in my faith? Am I the same as I was 10 years ago, 5 years ago, even a year ago? Or am I constantly becoming more like Christ? Am I constantly growing? And so we wanted to look in Scripture about what it says about becoming a mature believer. And last week, you can go back if you missed it, but Jeff's message was great. And he talked about how... Mature believers are committed to community. And it's been really interesting. If we've been studying all the places in Scripture that talk about spiritual maturity, almost every single one of them is tied to being connected to community, that we grow together. And he talked about fellowship, about how mature believers, they grow together, they do life together, they experience things together. And I was thinking about this. Even Jesus, who was fully God, didn't just come to earth and just start walking around by himself, did he? What's the first thing he did? He gathered a group of people to do the work with him. Even Jesus surrounded himself with people, and he gathered them, and he taught them, and they did the work together. And so for you and I, community is a part of us growing mature. Um, I love the analogy that Jeff talked about last week about the lunchroom, that if, you're, if your child walked into the lunchroom with their tray and they saw a table of all their friends, which is awesome, but then they saw a table of somebody who maybe was alone, maybe was by themselves, that if in that moment they thought, you know, I know I want to go over there and just be with my people, but I think I'm going to go over here and reach out to that person that might need a friend, that that is what we desire at Homestead to be. We want you to have really deep friendships. We want you to have your people, you know, the ones that come in and can go in your cupboards without asking, that open the fridge without asking. We all need those people in our lives. But how important it is for us as a church to always have our eyes out for those who are new. Maybe they're hurting, need some community. Invite them to your table. Invite them to community. And so we're going to put up, we have a QR code for some small groups. We are working hard as a staff. We're going to meet this week to talk about some smaller groups. You know, COVID has made me realize how much church in the past has been about gathering together, 
Because all of a sudden, every time I think, oh, well, let's do this, then I'll think, we'll start talking about it as a staff, and all of a sudden we'll go, well, we can't do that, and we can't do that. And so we're having to rethink how we do things. And so a lot of what we're looking at doing this fall and this winter are just a lot of smaller, intimate times for you to get together with just a few other families, a few other individuals. Maybe it's a men's group, a women's group. But we need you to be involved in community here. And so you can fill out that code. Last week we got a lot of responses, and this week we're going to kind of be looking as to how to organize that. But get involved in community. It's a big part of how we're going to grow. But today I want to talk more about what it means to be spiritually mature. And this week as I was studying, I found a really great quote in my New Living Translation study Bible about spiritual maturity, and it says this. Spiritual maturity is not an automatic result of time. It results from focused listening to the word of God and living out that word in fellowship with the community, right? So let me read that again. Spiritual maturity is not an automatic result of time. It's the result from focused listening to the word of God and living out that word in fellowship with the community. Now we know this is true, right? We don't automatically mature just because we're getting older. How many of you know a grown-up baby? Oh, somebody's hand shot up real quick. <laughs> okay. And hopefully you didn't elbow anybody next to you because that's, well, that happens. So, But you know what? Sometimes just because we're growing up doesn't mean we're growing, right? It's not automatic. Just because someone is growing chronologically doesn't mean that they are maturing. And the same thing is true in our spiritual lives. Just because someone has been a Christian a long time, just because someone loves Jesus doesn't mean that they are spiritually mature. That comes with work. That comes with time. That comes with a process. So let's look at that quote again. It says that spiritual maturity isn't automatic, but it is the result of something else. It results from focused listening to the word of God and then living out that word in fellowship with the community. So I want us to turn in our Bible study to Luke chapter 8. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, That'll be up on the screen, or you can pull it up on your phone. But Luke chapter 8 is a story where Jesus tells a parable. He tells a story which I think is going to give us some insight in what it means to be spiritually mature. Luke chapter 8, and I'm starting in verse 4. One day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on the footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on the fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. Skip down to verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while 
and then they fall away when they face temptation. Verse 14, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Jesus is talking about four groups of people in this story. Now, the first group of people, it says that the seed falls, but the devil snatches it away before it has a chance to take root and grow. So the seed falls on the ground, but the devil steals it away. Now, I don't know about you, but I um, have to protect my seeds sometimes when I put it in the ground. This year, I've had this really weird phenomenon. I planted all my cucumbers, and I did not have a cucumber until one day I realized that my dog was eating all of my cucumbers. I caught her red-handed, cucumber breath, green face, and I was like, no wonder. I was literally so frustrated. Anyway, that's not the spiritual part of the story. The first group of people, it says the seed falls, but what happens? The devil snatches it away before it has a chance to take root and grow. And that scripture said before they even have a chance to believe and become saved. And we're not going to talk about this in detail today, but this is a shocking scripture. This scripture tells us that the devil is actively trying to stop people from becoming saved. Not just they haven't happened to hear or they just maybe aren't ready yet, but that the devil is actively walking away plucking. When they hear something, plucking away seeds. Which this week as I read that, it made me so mad. And it also made me realize we have to up our game in how we're sharing the gospel with people because the enemy is actively trying to stop people from hearing the gospel. So we have to pray, we have to be ready, we have to share the gospel, we have to pray and reach our world for Christ. The second group of people in this story says it's people who receive the word with joy, so the seed gets into the ground, but they don't have roots, and so it begins to fall, so they begin to fall away. Now, this reminds me of new believers, people who love Christ. It's like, okay, I hear the gospel. Yes, this is something I want in my life. And so those first beginnings of our spiritual walk are such an important time of our life, and it's fragile. It's like when those uh, seeds are just in the ground, we protect it, right? When it's fragile, when it's just getting the roots in, we protect it, we watch over it. And so this is, again, where community comes into play. When we have people who have just found Christ, man, we gotta get around them. We got to help them. We got to show them the love of Christ. We got to disciple them and get in there because it's fragile when it's a new baby seed because the roots aren't deep enough to keep it from being pulled up. When we plant seeds in my garden, sometimes I put a fence up. Sometimes I shoo away the birds, but I protect the seed. So that's the second group. But today I really want to focus in on this third group of people that Jesus talks about in verse 14. It says, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. This is what we're talking about. Why are there Christians that love Jesus and yet never grow any further than just, I'm going to heaven? They never grow into the maturity of their faith. This is telling us there's a reason why. There's a reason why. It's saying that they hear it, they receive it, it starts to grow, but there are other things that are growing up with it. 
One of my commentaries this week says, just be reminded that the weeds will grow faster than their plants. I know that's true because if you go out to my garden right now, you will see most definitely that the weeds grow faster than the plants. And so if you're not diligent in picking out the weeds, it doesn't take long for the weeds to choke out any good thing that is starting to come up. And that's what this scripture is saying. There are weeds in our lives that will choke out the plants of what God wants to do. And we will stay immature if we are not diligent. Now, this is important for us to see because we all want to be spiritually mature, right? We want to grow. But it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It means we have to look at all the areas of our life. Let me give you an example. Someone really loves Jesus and truly wants to follow after him, but they have some emotional immaturity that causes them to have a problem with their temper. They go to church They might even read their Bible and pray, and they have a desire to know God. But every time something makes them upset, this emotional maturity bubbles to the surface. And the next thing you know, they're yelling and screaming and cursing and punching holes in the wall. And any spiritual ground that they might have gained is suddenly derailed because of the emotional immaturity that they have over here. Another example, someone loves Jesus and wants to follow him, but they have relational immaturity. Their relationships are a constant hot mess. They're constantly having, finding themselves practicing unhealthy patterns in their relationships, whether it's control or whether they're becoming too dependent on somebody or whether there's a lack of boundaries or they're selfish and they're never thinking about the people in their relationships. And their relationships are constantly a mess. And no matter how much they love Jesus, until they allow the word of God to infiltrate this part of their life in their relationships, they're going to stay immature. It's a weed. And it's choking their spiritual growth because it's overtaking everything else. And until they get maturity in that area, they're not going to see mature spiritual growth. The truth is this. You can love Jesus with all your heart. But if you don't get the rest of your life in alignment, you're not going to see growth and maturity. When I first started writing this message, I had it titled, Get Your Crap Together. (laughs) It really is, right? I hope I can say that in church. But it really is true. We can love Jesus as much as we, with all our hearts. But we have got to get it together with all this other stuff. I've been around a church for a long time. You know, the thing that derails people spiritually, it's not a lack, all of a sudden they decide, I don't know if I believe anymore, or I don't know. It's not the faith element. It's the stuff of everyday life that tends to take them down. It's the addiction that pulls them this way. It's the relation, relational explosions that begin to happen. It's all of these other parts of our lives that if we don't get it together and bring it to Christ for him to help us, it will derail our spiritual growth. It all has to work together. Now, Jesus, in this story, in verse 14, he gives us three examples of what the weeds could be. He gives us three examples that can choke out our spiritual maturity. Three areas that can be out of alignment that can cause us to stay stuck in spiritual immaturity. The first is pleasures. Now, the Greek word here is hedone. It's pleasure that is an end to itself. Now, that word looks a lot like the word hedonism that we know right? What this basically means is, I love Jesus, but I still want to do whatever I want to do. 
I love Jesus, but if I want something, I'm just going to do it. That's what it's saying. Jesus, I love you. You can have my heart, but you don't get my will. Jesus, I love you. You can have my heart, but I still get to do whatever I want to do. That's what this is saying. Maybe it's choosing willfully to do what you know is wrong. I've heard the definition of sin as this. I want what I want when I want it. Now, does that sound like immaturity? Anybody know any toddlers? I want what I want when I want it. You mean I have to wait? I don't think so. And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, this is a sign of immaturity. If you are just wide open with pleasures, you're not having any restraint. You're not stopping yourself from doing anything. You're saying, if I want it, I should be able to have it. That is a sign of immaturity. And it's a weed, and it will choke out your growth. Jesus is saying you will never become spiritually mature if you refuse to give Jesus your will and live a life that honors him. The second thing Jesus says, identifies as a weed, is riches. The word here is plutos. It means wealth, money, or possessions. It's an obsession with participating in the systems and hierarchy of this world. Now, yes, I think in Jesus's time, it was really about being rich. But you know what being rich meant in Jesus's time? It meant you were powerful. It meant you were influential. And so I look at this thinking, our society has, and world has created a culture where the thirst for fame and influence and notoriety and likes and followers and all of those things has become an obsession. And I think it outweighs people's desire to be actually rich. I don't care if I'm rich, but make me famous. And Jesus is saying, if you are obsessed with fame and money and status and power and followers and likes and getting yourself out there and being seen, you're going to stay spiritually immature. Why? Because every decision is going to be based on, what will people think about that? Will they like that? Will they like me more? What's it going to make them think? And you become obsessed with that. Instead of focusing on, God, what's going to build your kingdom? It will keep you immature. It's a weed that will choke out spiritual growth in your life. And the last thing that Jesus says that we have to watch for are the cares of this life. That's the word maremma in the Greek. It means anxiety. It means worry. It means a part separated from the whole. It's fracturing a person's being into parts. I might be really spiritual over here, but this part of me remains very in immature. And so it derails my life. It might uh, be drawn into different directions. And this is where I want to kind of camp out for the rest of our time together. Our cares of this life are the things that you and I spend every day thinking about. Right? It's my relationship. I get up every morning and I can spend time with the Lord, but pretty soon my husband's coming downstairs and I got to deal with him. And then the next thing, the kids come out, and I got to deal with them. And then I got to go to work, and I got to pay the bills. We have to interact with the world. Our spiritual life can't just be this moment where I'm sitting here with God, because then I have to take it out in the world. It'd be great if we all could live like in a monastery, although we've tried that, right? We all learned in our quarantine season that none of us are very good at isolation, right? So we have to live in that real world. We have to be out and about. And so we have, the cares of this world have to be surrendered to Christ. They're the things going on inside of us. 
Now, this is the place I think it can get most fractured in our lives. Because we love Jesus with our whole heart, but we don't allow him to have a part of how we operate in our relationships. That part of us is still fleshly. That part, I still am selfish. We love Jesus, but my emotional immaturity keeps me angry. And my temper flares up all the time. And it derails me. I love Jesus, but my emotional insecurity keeps me, or immaturity keeps me insecure. Man, this is the story of my life. <laughs> for, for a lot of my life, my insecurity and my need to have people be okay and like me derailed me in so many places. And it's the thing that God has continually said, I'm not going to stop pressing this on you, Christy. You have to work through this. You have to care about what I think more than what other people think of you. He will not let me off the hook on this one. And I have had to do the deep work because if I want to grow spiritually, I have to address this emotional thing that keeps pulling me backwards. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's being consumed with self. And that's the thing that just keeps pulling you back. Maybe you love Jesus, but your relational immaturity is derailing you and keeps you from having healthy relationships. Maybe it's selfishness. You're just not thinking of the other people in your world. Maybe it's a lack of communication skills, and you're going, man, I keep going around and around and around this circle in the relationships in my life. It seems to always be the same problem over and over and over again. Maybe it's a lack of empathy for other people. I don't know what it is for you, but whatever it is that weed in the cares of this life, the area of your life that seems to always be a problem, that's your weed. And that's what you have to work on. It can be any number of things. But remember this, you can love Jesus and yet stay completely stuck because of the immaturity in other areas of your life. And they're choking out the new growth just like a weed will choke out the growth in your garden. So, but there's good news, not to be Debbie Downer this morning, about wah, wah, so hard. There is good news. And the good news is this. The Bible is about your whole life. This is not just about salvation, which it is, and the plan of God, and we learn who Christ is. But I bet if some theologian took the time to pull out every verse that had to do with your relationships, being a good wife, being a good husband, being a good father, being a good parent, controlling your thoughts, controlling your anger, using good words, how to deal fairly in business. It'd be half of this thing. This is a whole life manual. This thing addresses every single part of your life. And not only is the content there, the delivery method is there. There are stories. You can just read a story about how somebody made a huge mess of their relationship and see how God interacted with them. Maybe you like it that way. Maybe you like parables like this one we're reading today. I have a girlfriend, though. She is a straight shooter, and she's like, I hate the parables. Just give it to me straight. Stop telling me stories. And so I'm like, how about Proverbs for you, right? We're just going to say it. Say it like it is. Um, my grandpa Pennington, he was probably the most spiritually mature man I knew. Loved the Lord, soft-spoken. And he used to always say, he always carried the Proverbs in his pocket. And he loved the Proverbs. And every time we would leave, he'd go, Christy, remember this. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent. That's a proverb. And I don't know if he was trying to tell me that I talk too much. Maybe. <laughs> But he was a wise man. 
And not only was he spiritually mature in church, but that precept moved into his workplace where people respected him because if he spoke, he did so for a reason. See how it infiltrated his whole life. His spiritual maturity wasn't just that he read the Proverbs. It was that then he allowed it to get into his life and filter into every single part of who he was. The Bible is full of that kind of stuff. And you and I have to do the work of learning what it says. So back to our quote that we started with that said, spiritual maturity is not an automatic result of time. But what is it? It results from focused listening to the word of God and living out that word in fellowship with the community. We get maturity in all of the areas of our lives one way, by doing the hard work and dealing with those things. So it starts with focused listening to the word of God, digging into the word to see what God has to say about the issues in your life. That means digging into scripture. And I'm telling you, there's no easier time in the world to be able to dig into scripture. I remember having to sit and look in the back and look up and there were only certain words that you could find. You can go on the internet right now and type in, what does the Bible say about anger? And you are gonna find 75 different pages that will list 75 different verses on anger. It is so easy to do a keyword search in any Bible software and anything to find out what does the Bible say about that? God, I'm, I have anxiety. What does the Bible say about it? And you can type it in and find all those verses out and then write them down and study them and let them get ingrained in your heart. You can buy books that dive into these subjects. If you're struggling relationally and you're just like, man, I don't want to repeat these bad habits in my relationships over and over again, do a little work. Listen to a podcast. Buy a book. Do some things to help you understand Maybe you need to go to a godly spiritual counselor that can help you identify what's going on in your life. I have had to do that many times in my life. What's going on? Lord, help me be able to see this. Maybe it's a spiritual counselor. Maybe it's just somebody else, a mentor, somebody that you can talk to, somebody that can show you what is going on in your life. Um, I was thinking about this analogy of the, the weeds, and it reminded me of a story when Jeff and I have lived in our house for about 15 years, and when we first bought our house, kind of the back area of it was just, there was nothing there, and so I decided that I was going to plant a wildflower garden. So I got, you know, that hot pink stuff that's got all the seeds in it. And so we cleared the area, and I put down my seed, and I started watering it over and over again, and I was so excited, and pretty soon stuff started sprouting up, and I was so, I could not wait to see what flowers were going to show up. And so my dad one day came over for dinner, and my dad grew up on a farm, and he loves farm stuff and knows all the farm stuff. And so I was like, Dad, you got to come see my wildflower garden. So we walk out, and he's standing there, and he kind of starts chuckling. And I'm like, what's so funny? And he's like, you have a really nice garden of weeds, Christy. And I was like, what are you talking about? These are flowers. He's like, no, these are all weeds. This, the, no, that's weed, that weed, 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 weed. And I'm like, You've got to be, I had been carefully nurturing my weeds, very carefully for a good month. And so he starts ripping out, he starts pulling out the stuff. He's like, oh, that's a thistle, let's get that out. Starts pulling it out and he's like, come here and look. And sure enough, way down in the bottom were these little tiny sprouts starting to come. He's like, those are your flowers. That's, and I'm like, oh. And Jeff's in the back going, I told her that. She just won't listen to me, <laughs> right? But I was missing the real growth because I couldn't see, 
because I didn't know. I didn't have the experience that he had. But because he had had experience with those weeds before, he knew exactly what it was and was able to show me. And then I was like, oh, okay, show me which ones are weeds so that then I can get in there. And sometimes with us, you just don't know, right? I don't know how to get to the other side of it. This is why we're so passionate about a church that is intergenerational. Because we have people in this church that have walked through something. And it doesn't mean that they have to be 90. We have 30-year-olds who have walked through some stuff. And they can come alongside of you and help you and say, ah, I know that. Let me help you pull that out. Because God has good stuff under there to grow. This is why we operate in community. Sometimes you have to ask for help. You have to ask people, can you help me? Can you help me see this? I keep tripping up over this. I don't know what it is. Can you walk beside me and help me? We need to do some focused listening in regards to the cares of our life. So what is God saying to you about the places in your life that keep tripping you up? If God had to point his finger at something, what would it be? And then what does the Bible say about those issues? What does the Bible have to say about it? And then ask God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? What's my next step to start to pluck out that weed so that I can grow in maturity in that area? So we do focused listening. And then the second piece of that is live out that word. We listen to what God is saying, and then you don't let it slide. You don't make excuses about it. You don't say, well, I just come from a long line of hotheads. It's probably going to be the way I always am. No, you don't make it excuses. You say, all right, I got to do the work on this. I want to grow in this. I don't want to just stay the same. I don't want to look back 10 years and say, I'm exactly the same as I was over there. We want to grow. So you live it out. When you mess up, you apologize. You bring it to God, you repent, and then you keep working to change. You take those scriptures, you write them everywhere, and when you feel that temptation to start engaging in that old behavior, you stop and you quote the word of God and say, Lord, I thank you that this promise is true for me, that you've said I can have a renewed mind, that I don't have to be under the weight of anxiety. In the name of Jesus, I claim this for me. And you do the hard work of living that out every single day. You go by the book, you listen to the podcast, you make the appointment with the counselor. You call the treatment center. Listen, I know a lot of people think, you know, me and Jesus are going to figure this out. Sometimes you're just going to need help. And honestly, the majority of people don't get out of big life-altering things without help. So make the phone call. And for those of us in community, sit there while they call. Be there. We're going to do this together. What is the next step? Create accountability in your life. Talk to somebody and say, I'm struggling with this. Can you ask me about this later? Can we pray about this? Can we talk through this issue? Luke 8, 14. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. So they never grow into maturity this is the work for us. This group of people, for the majority of us here, we're in that third group. We have to do the work. We've received that seed. We love Jesus. But the goal isn't to just receive the seed, right? The goal is to have fruit. That's the goal. 
It's not even enough to just be a young Christian that's carefully shielded and protected and watered when they're vulnerable. Eventually, they have to come out on their own too. So wherever you are in the spiritual spectrum, you have to grow. The work of the third group of people is to do the hard work of plucking out the weeds. So we become the fourth group of people. That Jesus said that fourth group produces much fruit. I want to read it to you, Luke 8, 15, but I want to read you out of the Good News translation because I think it really expresses well what our goal is. The seeds that fell in the good soil stand for those who hear the message, they retain it in a good and obedient heart, and they persist until they bear fruit. That we hear the message, we love the Lord, but we listen to the word of God, and we persist, we work at it until the weeds are gone and the fruit is able to grow. That's my prayer. That's what I want for us. That's what God's heart is for every single one of us, that we would grow to maturity. So let's just close our eyes as we wrap up today. We're in closing prayer. I have a question for you, and I want you to think about it. What is God pointing to in your life? What areas of your life do you need to grow in? What are your weeds? What are the things in your life that you feel like keep tripping you up? They keep pulling you back. It feels like I don't grow in this area. What is that? Ask God. Lord, show me. Show me the areas of my life where I need growth. Is it your relationships? Is it maturity? Is it the pleasures of this world? Have you gotten into the habit of just saying yes to whatever you want without any regard? for the word of the Lord? If that's, if you've gotten to the point where I love Jesus, but I want to do what I want, that's a weed that you have to choke out. Is it an obsession with the world, being successful, being a big part of that? Are you being driven by what other people think? This will choke out your fruit. Or maybe it's the cares of this life. It's the things that you do daily. It's the relationships that keep getting derailed. It's the, it's the anger. It's the, it's the constant warring in your mind. What are the cares of this life that you need Jesus to help you pluck out those weeds and to replant good fruit? Lord, we just come to you today thankful, first of all, that you know all, you see all. God, you love us so much. I love that your word says that you were fully acquainted with what it meant to be human. And so you understand the complexities of our heart, mind, soul, will, all of those things. And Lord, we just confess that it's easy to give you our hearts, but we don't want to stop there, Lord. We want to give you everything. And so, Lord, we're asking you to show us the places in our life that are keeping us from growing. What are the things that are choking out the growth that you have for us? What keeps distracting us? What keeps our hearts from fully engaging with who you are? So, Lord, we're asking you to show us. And then, God, give us obedient spirits that don't just write it off, that don't just brush it aside, but, Lord, that we dig and do the hard work. And I'm praying that you would give every person one next step 
this week as they seek you on this. Maybe it's talking to somebody about it, telling a friend. Maybe it's getting a book. Maybe it's doing a word search on scripture. Maybe it's making an appointment, calling a counselor. Whatever it is, Jesus, give us obedient hearts that persist until we see fruit. Lord, I just pray for the courage for those that this feels so overwhelming and daunting. Lord, I just pray that they would be filled with your courage and strength and that they would know that we are, we're here. We're family. We can do this together. Thank you, Lord, that we can grow in community. We're here to support one another. We're asking that you would help us to grow. God, we want to be a mature bride, a mature church. Lord, our world needs us to be mature. Our world needs us to have the mind of Christ, to not be muddled down in the weeds. But God, that we are fully committed to you and living out your purposes and bearing good fruit. We love you so much, Jesus. I pray for every person here, Lord. I just pray strength. I thank you, God, that you have promised that those that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. I know it's been a weary week. So, Lord, just pour out your strength in them. I pray today would be a a full day of Sabbath and of rest and that you would just pour into them, Lord, everything that they're going to need for the rest of the week. We thank you for being so good to us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.